Today we'll be reading from the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 4, verse 23 to, to, to 5, verse 6. <clears throat> and he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming that the gospel proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the, and the Decapolis, and from Jerusalem and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Thank you, Trevor. We live in a world where talk can be really, really cheap. There is no lack for hearing people talk about things. There's talk radio, there's morning talk shows, there's afternoon talk shows, there's evening talk shows, there's late night talk shows. We live in a world where there is an endless supply of blogs and news and opinion pieces. We live in a world where there is texting and tweeting and email and Snapchat and you comment on this post or this picture and it it goes on and on. Words seem to be really, really cheap today, which is why, which is why we need to slow down when we come to the passage that Trevor just read for us. We're going to take our time over the next several weeks and listen and learn from Jesus. The passage that we're going to be looking at, it's been called the Sermon on the Mount. It goes from Matthew chapter 5 to Matthew chapter 7. It's probably, it's probably the most well-known sermon that's ever been preached in history. I've called this series Upside Down because as we get deeper into this series, you're going going to see again and again how the teaching of Jesus is going to be presenting a world that seems upside down from what we see and what we experience in our world today. The things that he teaches, the values that he expresses almost seem like they are completely upside down from what we observe But critical to understanding the whole sermon, the whole Sermon on the Mount, I think critical to understanding it is answering a couple questions. So this is a a little unconventional because I want to make sure we're prepared to hear the words of Jesus before we dig deeply into them. I think we need to ask some questions like, who, who is speaking in the first place? And why should we listen to him? And I think we also ought to ask, like, what should we do with what he says? So who is speaking and why should we listen to him? And and what should we do in response to what he says? Because I think if we we don't take a moment and slow down, we we may miss some of the most important words ever said, ever taught. So if we kind of start here, who is speaking and why should we listen to him? I think the obvious answer is going to be, and you know this, what Jesus is speaking, right? So, so we get that, but, but yet we all know this. We all know that just because Jesus is speaking, does that, 
necessarily mean we're going to listen to him. I mean, other, other important people have said things that have been passed on for centuries. And we, we didn't open up those books today. And, and there, are, there are certainly other religions and other people have ideas and other people claim to be wise and be in the know on certain things. And we're not opening their words this morning. So why are we listening to Jesus? There are other people that would tell you, I can give you insight into how to live your life and how to make decisions and how to prioritize. Why? Why are we not paying attention to those? Why are we leaning in to what Jesus has to say for us? Only for the sake of argument, what, what if he were wrong? What if someone else was right? Again, only for the sake of argument, but, but are we convinced that we really need to listen to Jesus? And by the way, the Bible doesn't really dodge this question about whether we should listen to Jesus or whether we shouldn't. It doesn't dodge it at all. It actually prepares us to be ready to hear from Jesus. It's interesting, the Sermon on the Mount takes Matthew 5, 6, and 7, but before that, Matthew 1 to 4 leads up to the Sermon on the Mount. I think it's important that we think about that because actually the first four chapters of Matthew, Jesus doesn't do a whole lot of talking, very little teaching that's recorded. Then we get into Matthew 5, and he's, he fills three chapters worth of teaching. But what is it in those first four chapters of Matthew that make us realize, okay, we do need to be listening to him? Well, in those first four chapters of Matthew, we have, it it leads off in Matthew 1 with the the ancestry of Jesus, the genealogy of Jesus, in which it talks about him being completely unique. This unique person that is described as the son of Abraham and and the son of David. And then there is this story of his miraculous conception and his birth and the wise men in Matthew chapter 1 and 2. It talks about these these amazing things that go around his birth that tell us this is not just any ordinary person. This is a unique individual. So again, it's just laying that foundation of we need to be ready to listen to him. When you get into Matthew chapter 3, Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist. And I'm sure John baptized lots of people. I'm sure lots of people have been baptized since that time. But John signal something different about this baptism when he says, behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God. He takes away the sins of the world. So there's something, something significant about this one that's going to get baptized. And then you keep reading into Matthew chapter 4, and, and Jesus is confronted with Satan himself. And Jesus shows such courage and such wisdom and such faithfulness to God as he does not bend to those temptations. And even at the end of Matthew chapter 4, which was read earlier, we see Jesus exerting all kinds of power and authority as he heals diseases and casts out demons. So again, we're, we're asking, why should we listen to Jesus? Who is this person that's speaking? And we recognize, well, this is why we listen to him, because the picture is presenting him with all kinds of authority, all kinds of power. All kinds of things are said about him that are said about no other person. That's where the story is. So even though he hasn't said much, the ground is being laid for his authority. And if it's not just, it's not only laid in the the stories, but it's also laid in the titles that are given to Jesus in those first four chapters. 
So just as you're reading through Matthew 1 to 4, I mean, we, we express things by title. So someone gets the title of doctor or the honorable or officer or sergeant or general or, or professor. I mean, we have all sorts of titles, but, but here are the titles of Jesus that are laid out in Matthew 1 to 4. So it's said that he is the, the son of Abraham. We mentioned that, the son of David. But it also says that he is the Christ. He's the Messiah. He's the one promised. It's said also that, that his name would be called Jesus, which means God saves. And his name would be called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And Matthew 2 says he, he will be a, a ruler, shepherd, that will guide his people. And as you continue to read, Jesus is called the Nazarene. You, he's called the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit and baptizes with fire. And in that picture of the amazing baptism of Jesus, he is called that, that beloved son, that priceless and deeply pleasing son. And Jesus is called the one who is the light to the nations. So we have all these stories that prepare us to listen to him, and we have all these titles that make us ready to listen to him. So the conclusion that we are meant to come to, by the time we get to the end of chapter 4, is that he is authoritative. And it's almost as if there's a drum roll that is getting ready for us to say, let's listen in. Let's be ready to hear. And and even as Matthew 5 begins, we're not going to dig deep into this chapter today because I just want to make sure we're in a position where we're ready to hear the one speaking. But notice how Matthew 5 verses 1 and 2 prepare us even uh, again to hear from Jesus. So it says in Matthew 5 verse 1, he saw the crowds and he goes up to the mountain He sits down, which is a a teaching posture of authority in that culture. His disciples come to him. He opens his mouth, and he teaches them. And this is what he says. Do you see, even in the way Matthew 5, 1 and 2 prepare us, it's like, well, what's he going to say? And we're, we're leaning in to make sure we don't miss what he might have to say to us. Even as you see those verses... Jesus has gone up to a mountain, right? It reminds us of another person that went up to a mountain and got 10 commands from God. In Exodus 19, Moses comes down and and Moses has writings from God, but this is different when Jesus is actually opening his mouth and speaking for himself with all the authority of God. I love one passage in Isaiah that kind of connects this mountain theme with teaching, and there's so many of these in the Old Testament, but this is one of those. Isaiah Chapter 2 and verse 2, it says, In the last days the mountain of the Lord's house will be established at the top of the mountains and will be raised above the hills, and all nations will stream to it, and many peoples will come. And this is what they'll say. Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, because he will teach us about his ways so that we might walk in his paths. For instruction will go out of Zion... And the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, the picture is of someone ascending a mountain that's going to teach the ways of God. So spiritually speaking, when we know that Jesus is going to talk, it means we should be on the edge of our seats, ready to hear. Not only because he has all authority, but also because this Bible teaches us that he always has our best interests in mind. It'd be different if he had all authority, but 
could not care about us in the least. But the one who loves us and is all-wise and is all-powerful, it's time to lean in and listen to exactly what he says. It's critical for our well-being. So before we even dig into such a special sermon, I think it's worthwhile to ask, do we ever sit on the edge of our seat ready for Jesus to speak to us? So a moment ago when Pastor Evan read from 2 Thessalonians, the words of an apostle of Jesus, coming with all authority of Jesus, do we lean in and go, what does Jesus have to say? When Trevor read just a moment ago the words of Matthew about Jesus and the very words of Jesus, do we lean in and go, I wonder what Jesus has to say to us today? Do we find ourselves in that place? Are are we saying, speak, because I'm ready to listen? I, I think another question that we have to ask, so who is speaking? Well, Jesus is speaking. But then what should we do? In light of the fact that Jesus is speaking, what should we do in response to the fact that he is speaking? In light of who he is and the authority he has, what should our response be to the words that are coming from that man? And the response we're supposed to have won't happen if we don't recognize the authority of Jesus. The response that we're supposed to have won't happen if we really aren't hearing him as having any authority to speak into our lives. You think about this. There are several things this week that you didn't do, that you were told to do, whether it's consciously or subconsciously. There were things that you didn't do that you were told to do simply because you didn't necessarily value the authority by which the person told you. So there might have been a time, let's just say hypothetically, where you saw this sign with a number on it that said, you can go this fast and no more. But you didn't do it. You went more than that. Or there's this red octagon that says stop. But you know, that, that's one that you really don't have to come to the full stop. I, I mean, we smile, but what, what, what do we recognize? What are we saying in those moments? We're saying, yeah, I don't know that I have to follow that. I really don't need to listen to that. I don't need to respond to that. Oh, but there are other things. There are other things that we didn't do that we were told to do this week. So you want to watch a video, but before you watch the video you want to watch, there's the 10-second, 15-second thing that sometimes you can skip and sometimes you can't. And in that video, someone told you to do something. Someone told you to get to the nearest car dealership and buy this whatever. And you didn't do it. You hit skip. I don't care to pay attention. Just show me my video. That's what I, that's what I really want to do. Or there was some advertisement that came on and said, this is what you need to do. Visit this website right now. They told you right then you were supposed to do that. And you go, I don't have to do that. I'm not required to make a decision based on words on a screen. It doesn't tell me what to do. A billboard says, call this certain number, buy this product, purchase these tickets. And you didn't recognize the person or source as having authority. So basically, you know what you said and what I said all week long? Whatever. Whatever. And that's quite okay to do that in a a range of circumstances. But what if we start doing that spiritually? And so God speaks. I'm not saying we'd ever tell God whatever. Probably not verbalize that ever. 
But what if we do that by our actions? We go, I, I don't know that I really need to listen to you on this. Whatever. I, I'll, I'll do it my own way. What if that is functionally what we're saying? No, we have to be on guard. And, and so we can sometimes not hear what Jesus is saying and not do what he says simply because we don't recognize his authority to tell us what to do. But there's other times where it's not so much of an authority issue. It's just that we're so distracted. We don't do what he says. We don't respond in the way he, he's told us to respond simply because we're, we're so distracted we didn't really hear him well. If too much is going on and we aren't really paying attention, it's very likely we're not going to respond in the way that he says to respond. So, true confession time. So there are moments, I don't know that they happen often, my wife could tell you how often they happen, when Shauna is telling me something. And I'm just, my body language says I'm, I'm kind of listening, but my brain isn't really listening. I'm really not paying attention. And so I'm kind of nodding along, and then and then it, something dawns on me, something clicks. Like, I, I don't know, maybe some, I hear one word or a phrase or just I recognize I, I'm not even listening. So in that moment, on my good days, I stop and go, hold, hold on. Could you repeat that? Because I didn't hear any of it. I'm so sorry. But I really want to hear it. I really want to listen. Could you just say that again? And I've got a very, very patient wife and occasionally maybe an eye roll, but... This is, what, this is what we do. We, we have to stop ourselves and go, okay, well, hold on. I, I need to listen here. So certainly I can do that better with my wife and with my kids. But this is actually what I've had to concentrate on this week. Are there moments in my life spiritually? Maybe I've even got my Bible open. Maybe I've got screen on and I'm, I'm reading. Maybe I'm listening to someone read God's word. And my mind just isn't fully engaged. And maybe it would be a helpful practice for some of us this week when we catch ourselves in that place to go, hold on. Jesus, can you say that again? I'm going to listen. Maybe so we just find ourselves reading, going back up to the start of where we were reading that day or maybe we zero in in a fresh way. I don't want to miss this. A person that's valuable is speaking to me. I don't want to miss this. I don't need to be distracted by a thousand other things at this moment. I need to hear from the Lord. What if we did that? You see, God designed us to be hearers, and sometimes for our for our souls, we just have to like we gotta quiet things down. Say, okay, I'm ready to hear because this is the truth. Jesus connects who he is with what he says and what he does. And the rest of the book of Matthew is going to tell who he is and what he says and what he does. And the the book of Matthew is going to end with Jesus on the cross and and dying for our sins and risen from the dead. And, And this is going to be a great story, but we have to lean in to make sure, are we hearing it? Are we listening? It's interesting, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, so we're, we're at the very beginning right now, in the first part of Matthew 5, but at the end of the Sermon on, on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 28, it says this about what happened when Jesus finished the sermon. It says, when he finished these sayings, the crowd was astonished at his teaching. Why were they so astonished? It's because he was teaching them as one who had authority. 
So I'm sure the content was impressive, but the authority of Jesus was such that they could not dismiss it. They were astonished at the authority, the right he had, to tell them what to do. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is going to tell people what to do in their hearts with their anxiety. We might be prompted to say, whose business is it to tell me what to do with my anxiety? And Jesus would say, it's my business. And in this sermon, Jesus is going to give us, com- give us specific instruction on not judging others. Well, it's a free country. I'll judge people if I want it. And Jesus says, I have the right to tell you what to do. I have the authority to tell you what to do. Jesus is going to tell us even how and what to pray for. I mean, who has authority to tell you what to pray for? Jesus does. Jesus is going to tell us how generous we should be in giving. Jesus is going to set out sexual ethics and dealing with lust. Is it his business? Is it his business to tell you how you should live honoring God with your lives sexually? Is it his business? Does he have a right to tell you that? He will exercise his authority and tell you that. Jesus is going to tell us what to do with our anger or our bitterness and our revenge. Jesus is going to tell us how marriage is supposed to work. Jesus is going to speak specifically to divorce. But before we hear any of that, we have to recognize that he has the right to tell us this. I read this this week, and it was helpful. It said, this teaching, this Sermon on the Mount, will change us only when we submit to the sovereign and gracious reign of the one who preaches it. This isn't a generic sermon that could have been preached by anybody. This is Jesus with his authority. Jesus who has the authority to say, even later on, it, toward the end of the sermon in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24, if, if you hear these words of mine and you act on them, you'll be like a wise man. But if you hear them and you don't act on them, your life is going to be a complete wreck. Jesus will even say in Matthew chapter 7 as well, Jesus will claim authority that at the end of time when we come before him as our judge, he said he'll be the one who can say, depart from me, I didn't know you, or enter into the joy that's prepared for you. Jesus claims that kind of authority. It's interesting at the end of the book of Matthew, Matthew 28, it says that Jesus came and said to them, and here are the words, it's reminiscent of what we're, what we're talking about today. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is Jesus, kind of his farewell address. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And this is what you do. You teach them to observe or obey or keep all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Notice all authority is his, and he gives a command to make disciples And how are the disciples supposed to obey that command? By going and baptizing and teaching people to do everything that he commanded. 
you know, I, I, I compare this in some ways to like a graduation speech where someone's looking at a bunch of graduates getting ready to send them off into the world. Jesus has his disciples. He's getting ready to ascend to heaven, and he's got his disciples in front of them. And, and we hear all sorts of things at graduation speeches. We hear, why don't you go out and, and make a dent in the universe? Or why don't you be the change that you want to see in the world? Or why don't you follow your passion? Or you need to, you need to follow your heart. We hear like, don't let anyone tell you you can't, and then dot, dot, dot. And then we hear, leave, leave the world a little bit better than you found it. And Jesus has this very different way of talking to his followers. And he says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to teach people, teach future disciples to do everything I've commanded them. Everything I've commanded you, you pass that along. That's how you're going to live faithfully as my disciple. This is so so, so critical. I was thinking about this. If you're new to our church, this is a, a great day to be, to be new to our church because at the core of Ogletown, we have so many desires and ambitions to, to follow the Lord. We have so many desires to see, to see this area touched by the message and the love of Jesus. But at our core, we are a community of people who are just together around the word of Jesus. And what he says, we want to put it into practice. At its core, that's who we are. So what, what does that mean to us? Well, that means in our church, we gather together even in, in smaller groups than this. And we open God's word and we say, this is what it says. How can we obey it? How can we follow it? This is who Jesus is. We should bend our lives around that. This means that one-to-one we gather together in personal devotions and Bible studies. It means we go even beyond just trying to rummage through the Bible to find a few basic life principles. We want to know what Jesus says. and We want to put into practice what he says. It means we don't just take the Bible as like just trying to consume it. But we ask for the Lord to consume us. We want to be transformed by it. It means that we meet together and we, we push each other to grow. What if it became a normal thing around Ogletown for people to ask each other, hey, do you want to get together and read the Bible together and pray and ask the Lord to make us more like Jesus? What if that was happening all the time? What if it was happening one-to-one or, or maybe groups of three or, or groups of ten? Hey, can we, can we get together and read the Bible and hear from Jesus and put it into practice? What if, what if in our homes this was happening? What if we're meeting people for breakfast or lunch or for coffee or for some, some time where we, we just get around God's word together? I think it should be happening in our church. I, I think if Jesus is speaking, it also should show up in our lives. So if we were to evaluate, let's just say the last seven days, the words of Jesus, have they, have they shaped your practice, your habits, your habits, your thought patterns? What would you point to? Is, is there something where we could go, well, this is, this is what, to hear from Jesus, I, I, I read God's word. So when and how often? And you say, well, Curtis, I'm not much of a reader. So this is a great age, even if you're not a reader, because you can listen to the Bible a lot, all sorts of audio resources. So how often and when did you listen to the words of God this week? 
maybe say, well, Curtis, I try, but it's so confusing. So who did you ask for help in that very issue? Because I would imagine God would be so kind as to bring people that would help you understand God's word. Did you say, you know, I, I'm confused by this? Hey, and we all have been at portions of, of scripture. But, but where are the places where we could go? Like right there is when I was hearing from Jesus. Right there is where I was, I was listening to him and wanting to be clear on what he had to say. Where are those places where we say, because he said it, I, I do it or I did it? Has God told us what to do here? Are we listening? So, so a lot of my life is consumed with parenting. Am I listening to what God has to say about parenting? Or a lot of our lives are consumed with relationships. Are you being obedient to God with the relationships you have? Are you following him when he calls you? Are you responding in obedience? Are you taking that next step? Are, you, are there things that you're running from because Jesus says, run from that? Or are you running to him because Jesus says, come to me? Over the next several weeks, we're going to spend a good amount of time kind of working through Matthew 5 to 7, asking, like, how do we obey? Specifically in 2018, how do we obey? But before we even got there, I just wanted to make sure we are crystal clear on this, that disciples are called to do what Jesus says. We have to have that baseline, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I'll do what you say. It's interesting, this sermon begins by Jesus seeing crowds. And he goes up to the mountain and he begins to instruct his disciples. And I think the picture is, Jesus is talking to his disciples, but the crowd's here. The crowds are those that haven't like made a formal decision to follow Jesus. They're not his disciples, but they're not necessarily committed enemies. They're just, they're just around. They're, they're around close enough to hear and to watch. And so I may be talking to a lot of disciples in the room, but I may be talking to a few people that you're, you're part of a crowd. There's not very many things in your life that would say you're really in tune to listening and hearing specifically from Jesus in the past, but, but you've heard his voice today, and you say, I, I want to listen. And hearing and understanding and obeying moves someone from just being in the crowd to being a disciple. Is there evidence today? that your relationship is not quite where it needs to be with the Lord? Is there evidence you really don't even have that relationship? Is there evidence that shows he really doesn't mean that much to you? Well, put yourself in a position to hear from Jesus, and you want to draw near to him, you want to respond to him. So I might ask, if you're part of the crowd, what is the next step you need to take toward Jesus this morning? It may be the next step is to have a conversation with a friend. It may be the next step would be to talk to someone maybe up front afterwards that has a, has a name tag or talk to one of the pastors before you leave. It may be that even right now you, you take your worship guide, you turn it over, and you see the names of all the staff, all the pastors there, and you say, I'm going to send an email, and I'm going to try to find a meeting where I can, I can talk more about this because I don't just want to be part of the crowd. I want to be a disciple. I want to follow Jesus. What's your next step? What I want to pray for all of us this morning is that each week we come, we'll say, Jesus is talking and I'm ready to listen. I'm going to pray that that would be our response every Sunday, but not just Sunday. I'm going to pray that even tomorrow, maybe even this afternoon, you'll have time to hear Jesus speaking and you'll say, whatever you say, Lord, I'm ready to do. Can I pray for us?
Father, I pray that we would hear you speaking and pray especially that we would hear you speaking in the words of your son. Uh, forgive us, Lord, where we're too distracted and we need to say, Lord, could you repeat that? I need to listen. Forgive us where we don't really show that you're that much of an authority in our lives and we run and get advice from a thousand other sources. So this is what I pray, Lord, that you would take the take our hearts, and that you would make them ready to hear from you. It's like a, a farmer would till up the ground before he plants. I pray that your Holy Spirit would do that so that we would be ready to hear the life-changing words that you have to tell us. And as we walk through this sermon that really presents a, a world that's upside down, I pray that we'd be ready to hear and ready to obey. We praise you that you are the God who speaks. We pray that we be ready to hear, and we ask it in Christ's name. Amen.